0: The American Chapter 13 by Matthew C. McLean A Shorthand Missile Tale I nodded goodbye to Moreau as if we knew each other. Whip gestured me to the door, Brick stepping outside of it, boxing me in between them. If there had been a chance of me getting out of there without a fight, it evaporated right there. Stepping outside, the two flanked me from behind, walking me to an older model, four-door Mercedes. Silver going on gray with signs of corrosion from living too long near the sea, the car still spoke of a higher class of money than I was accustomed. Brick opened the back door, indicating for me to get in. Not wanting to get a surprise cold cock, I watched him as I stepped in. While his expression didn't belie the original estimate I had made of his intelligence, his detached alertness suggested discipline. The interior of the car was wine color, turned darker by the tinted windows. A spacious back seat allowed Breck to get in beside me without us even having to touch knees. Between all that and what I'm sure was ample trunk space, the Mercedes could make for an excellent kidnap mobile if that sort of thing was your line of work. Whip slipped into the driver's seat. The engine coughed and growled at his command, and we were on our way. Brick kept an eye on me, only pausing to take a red-starred cigarette pack out of his jacket pocket. I noticed it was missing the usual huge health warning that European regulations require, a sure sign that it had been smuggled in. He didn't offer me a cigarette, but it gave me the chance to notice the black matte grip of the pistol in a shoulder holster. I, I guess he wasn't interested in being friends. I asked, so where are we going? I didn't bother speaking in French. Whip spared me a glance through the rearview mirror. To see Mr. Mitnick. There had been no attempt to inform me of who Mitnick was or what he wanted with me. I could only assume they thought I knew or they didn't care. Betting on the latter, I asked, and who is Mr. Mitnick? The glances that this brought my way were filled with incredulity. This broke in a second, their eyes silently asking the other if they were sure they had the right guy. Instead of addressing whatever misgiving slowed between them, Whip said, He is the boss. Sensing that I wouldn't get more of an answer, I switched tactics. Where is Mr. Mitnick? With a narrowing of his eyes, Whip told me he had lost patience with my questions. He glanced the signal back to Brick, and the mongoloid began to pour on the intimidation. His stare could have set off a Geiger counter. It heated my skin in a way that was familiar, his tactic having the opposite of its intended effect. I felt my own anger rising to meet his. I heard Cheryl's voice again, reminding me that I wanted to speak with Mr. Midnick, that any kind of violence might require reprisals from him. Hell, for all I knew, one of these goons was his nephew. That worked until Whip, seeing me back down, gave gave me a condescending reply of, This will be easier for you if you stay quiet. What an asshole. I said nothing and controlled my anger through careful breathing. I felt my feet swell and I waited, ignoring them to stare out the window. We were headed east, towards the hills outside of town. Past the orange roofs and white walls of the tiny shops, pharmacies, and post offices, you could see where the winter rains were bringing the cork oaks and heather to life, carpeting the steady rise in green. After a time, we pulled off the main drag and onto a switchback road, climbing higher with each turn. The morning clouds had gone, so past Breck's glowering I could see all of town, laid out like a jewel sitting on the seaside. If it weren't for my companions, it would have made for a lovely drive. I was almost relieved as the Mercedes glided into one of the tony neighborhoods that dotted the hills outside of town, populated by plaster mansions colored like seashells. Brick had settled into a smug confidence with his second cigarette. I waited until he lifted the cigarette to his mouth to take a Russian-sized inhalation. At the apex of that, I said, Hey, imitating the voice of a thousand addicts I'd heard wanting to bum a smoke. Brick twisted his neck, bringing his nearly square face around, lining him up just the way I wanted. I gave him a strong left jab, crushing the cigarette against his face in a cloud of hot ash and sticky tobacco. Not enough to break any teeth. It stunned him and left him blinded, giving me the chance to reach into his jacket and pull out the pistol. By the time Whip brought the car to a shuddering stop, I had the weapon pointed at him and his partner pinned to the door with my foot. Whip popped his head around the headrest, hand in his own jacket. He came face to face with the pistol. I could tell this wasn't the first time he would had a gun pointed at him, but he stopped reaching for his own weapon. Brick alternated between rubbing his eyes and trying to slap my foot away. I held him there keeping him mostly out of reach but to his credit it wasn't easy he was as strong as his dimensions suggested i was glad i wasn't having a fair fight with him in the contained space of the mercedes i quickly slid around into the chamber and took the safety off with the demonstration that the pistol was hot any ideas of retaliation were put on indefinite hold whip's adam's apple worked and brick stopped struggling I spared Brick a glance saying, good boy. Gun still on Whip, I directed. Both hands on the wheel, drive. Whip obediently put his hands on 10 and two then guided the Mercedes back onto the road. He asked, where are we going? To see Mr. Mitnick. I felt Brick's mass tense under my foot. Even with the pistol pointed at his partner's head, the possibility of putting his boss in danger was stirring up resistance not wanting that i added since you won't answer my questions maybe he will i took my foot off breck who angrily fussed with his shirt but generally appeared appeased that i wasn't going to murder anyone without provocation while keeping an eye on him i caught glimpses out the window we weren't headed to anyone's home i realized. In the mansions we were passing all the windows were dark the lawns were browned out the swimming pools empty whatever class of people were meant to be living here had never arrived most likely scared off by the financial crisis things had started to recover but that was a long slow process and it clearly hadn't reached here yet as we drove deeper into the ghost town Whip tried to say something, but at his first syllable I told him to be quiet. He did as he was told, and eventually pulled the Mercedes into a driveway that's concrete was radiant in the bright sunshine. Even through the tinted windows, it was almost impossible to stare directly at the white door of the massive garage as it opened. Driving into the shadow of the interior felt like passing over to the dark side of the moon. Training the gun on Brick, I opened the door with my free hand and stepped out. With exaggerated slowness, Whip followed, leaving me with plenty of time to re-aim the pistol at him. On the other side of the car, red-eyed and angry, Brick was already out. He slammed his door shut, sending an echo reverberating through the cavernous garage. I reminded myself he was a car away, and kept my aim on Whip with my free hand i reached out to slide whip's own pistol out of its holster that done i gestured with it for him to get moving he and brick exchanged glances again brick could hide behind the car but there was nowhere for whip to go and he knew it he ended this standoff with a and a feigned glare of dismissive contempt with a wide sweep of his arm He motioned for Brick to follow, a gesture that told his comrade they could take me if they really wanted. I was happy to let Whip believe whatever he wanted to. The only sound as we walked out of the garage was our shoes on concrete. Whips made the clicking sound of wooden soles, which would be shit in a fight. My own rubber one squeaked with each grip they took. Through an unpainted wooden door, we came into a kitchen that was large enough to complement the garage. A distant voice having a one-sided conversation could be heard traveling from an interior room. Whip and Brick followed it. The voice was a rich baritone having a civilized conversation. I had been in the core in the space between the collapse of the Soviet Union and the rise of Putin's kleptocracy... A span when my own country had foolishly regarded the new Russia with a condescending pity. So I had never learned any Russian. Just enough Arabic to scream in between boredom and gunshots. Walking towards that voice, though, I wished I could understand it.